power of the Holy Ghost is in this room tonight. Brother Daniel, I think that this is uh, what maybe you were hoping would happen on your graduation night. You wanted to have some church after that. I was enjoying hearing him preach and the Holy Ghost was moving as he was talking and proclaiming some things and testifying about some things. Young man, God's hand is on your life. He's going to use you greatly in his kingdom. Amen. It's a great blessing to be here in Bethlehem again tonight. I'm going to try to get this done as quickly as I can tonight. But you know, preachers, we have to, we have to sleep at night. There are times that we may hold back and then we don't get to sleep. I'd rather preach something to keep you up at night so that way I can sleep peacefully. But I feel, I feel the power of God in this room. I'm believing tonight somebody's going to be healed. Somebody's going to be delivered. Somebody's going to be baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost tonight. Amen. I believe it. I believe it. I give honor to the leadership of this great assembly. Thank you so much, brethren. Each one of you are just awesome. Awesome. These are these are four star generals in the faith, and I appreciate each one of them so very, very much. This is my third time speaking today. So if you've been in all three services, my uh, deepest apologies uh, to you. Revelation chapter number 12, verse number 11, a very familiar yet powerful text tonight. Revelation chapter number 12, verse number 11. If you're there, say amen. If you're not there, say I'm just going to look at the screen. There we go. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. And by the word of their testimony, everyone say word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto death. I just want to preach a simple title to us tonight. I'm talking about myself, but maybe you can relate. I've still got my testimony. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word. Your word is truth and power. Lord, it is sharper than any two-edged sword. And tonight I'm asking you, Lord, to touch us, God. Lord, cut us to the marrow with your word tonight. Lord, we give you thanks and we give you praise for your spirit that we feel in this house. Bless each soul under the sound of my voice, I pray tonight. And everyone said in Jesus' name. Now, declare to your neighbor as you're being seated, I've still got my testimony. <laughs> my testimony is something that I'm certainly 
I, I never get tired of sharing it. Maybe people get tired of hearing it, but I figure if Paul can relate his testimony uh, multiple times in the Scripture, I can relate my testimony multiple times as well. We understand tonight, church family, that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. We all understand tonight the power of God imparted to humanity through the sacrifice upon Calvary's tree. I love to preach the blood because I know that it is through the precious blood of Christ, the Lamb of God, without spot and without blemish, that we are all here today. I have preached the blood of Jesus to congregations of a few, all the way up to a few hundred or a few thousand. And a simple message about the blood of Jesus Christ demonstrates its power through seeing addicts delivered immediately from their addiction. Healing power and virtue descending upon, from the heavens upon souls who are desperate for a touch in their physical bodies. All because of the power that is in the blood of Jesus. This is for sure what we can see in the scripture. One of the most powerful things that we can preach is the blood of Jesus Christ. It is a fount that never runs dry. For it reaches to the highest mountain. And it flows to the lowest valley. It is the blood that gives me strength from day to day. And it shall never ever lose its power we should be a church we should be an assembly that never gets tired of hearing preaching about the blood of Jesus and singing about the blood of Jesus while the world wants to promote all this vampire junk and make a caricature out of the power of the blood, the church of the living God needs to stand up and say, I can tell you about the true power of the blood of Jesus Christ. I can't live without it. Every verse, every word of the scripture is a vein through which the blood of Jesus flows from the book of Genesis all the way to the book of Revelation. It is the true power of every born again believer in this place tonight. It's all in the blood of Jesus. We are overcomers by the blood of the Lamb. But what about the power of our testimony? Testimony in our text tonight comes from the Greek word marturia. Marturia is actually where we get the word martyr at its very root. But it also means evidence, a record, or a report. The first thing, dear brothers and sisters, that we need to understand is that we are overcomers, yes, by His blood. But I want to tell you today, your testimony and what you have to say about what Jesus has done in your life is powerful as well. Because my testimony is mine and I dare not lose it. For in the day that I lose my testimony, I will have exposed myself to the enemy. Losing one's testimony lowers your defenses. One of the greatest arguments that is made today by the atheists and the agnostics is, 
Well, you weren't there when he created the universe. You weren't there to hear him preach. You weren't there uh, to see him die and to be resurrected. All of those statements are fact. I was not there. But let me tell you one thing, dear brothers and sisters, tonight. I was there when I repented of my sins and I felt his forgiveness blow over me like a wave. Come on, somebody. I was there when I was baptized in Jesus' name and felt the cleansing power of those waters of baptism. And oh, honey, I was there when Jesus filled me with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Maybe I wasn't there in 33 AD on the day of Pentecost, but oh, I was there whenever he reached down and saved my soul. You can't talk me out of this salvation. You can't talk me out of my faith because I was there when he saved my soul I've heard it sung it's an old song Bishop Wilson that says if God is dead then who is this living in my soul I want to tell you today, I know exactly who it is. The very same spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead. If it dwells inside of you, there is coming a day that it will also quicken your mortal bodies. I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to that day. Now listen to me. Satan knows that he cannot even approach The blood of Jesus. There's too much power there. And he also cannot take your testimony either. Nevertheless, if he can get you to doubt your testimony, if he can get you to hold on to it loosely, I believe tonight, church family, that we need to declare, each and every one of us, that have a testimony of what God has done in our lives we need to declare this is my property and there is no trespassing you try to talk me out of what God has done in my life you've showed up too late you've showed up too late I know what he's done in my soul come on you know what he's done in your soul can't nobody do me like Jesus Can't nobody touch my soul like Jesus. Can't nobody heal me like Jesus. I want to tell somebody tonight, God is in this house. And he's wanting to remind you that what he has done in your heart, no one could do for you. You already know that. But we need to be reminded that when we were at our lowest, when when we were at our most lost condition, Jesus came down and he resurrected us. The Bible declares to us in John chapter 4 and verse 28 through 29. We know the story because of uh, this being the, the woman who is at the well. And we all know this is Sunday school material. But the Bible declares to us that this woman went to the well at a specific time. And it was at a time when most people didn't go to the well to get water. Why? Because she wanted to avoid the crowds. Now I can tell you, all of my travels in the Middle East and living many years of my life in the nation of India, there are a lot of wells and public taps where people will go 
And the women, it's generally the women that carry the water. They go and get the water, put it in big vessels, big urns, and then carry it back to their home. So in India, the public tap or the public well is kind of the rumor mill. That's where the women go to talk about the gossip and talk about one another. And I, if I could say this, some of, the, some of the craziest cat fights I've ever seen in my life have been at the public wells in India. I mean, pulling out fistfuls of hair. I wanted to jump in and referee, but I was worried that I'd get scratched. So I, I say that because I want you to understand what this woman was trying to avoid By going to the well at a time when most people didn't go to the public well, she wanted to avoid the rumor mill. She wanted to avoid the whispers. She wanted to avoid the people who would challenge her lifestyle. The scripture tells us in John 4, the woman then left her water pot and went her way in the city and saith to the men, come see a man which told me all things that ever I did is not this, the Christ. It's an interesting thing. This woman, she had a lot of men in her life, the Bible tells us. A lot of men. She was trying to fill that gap in her heart with the love of someone who would care, someone that would love her and not leave her. It is a custom in the Middle East, specifically as well in the country, uh, in the region of Judea, that water pots and vessels were used to etch things on, such as family history. You know the, you know the pages in your Bible that have uh, marriages, deaths? I don't know if Bibles always uh, uh, do that. Hebrew Bibles don't. I already looked. Mine doesn't have one. But there are a lot of Bibles that have places where you can record things and fam- all kinds of family history. And this, this woman... Oftentimes, water pots were actually given as gifts for weddings. And the people that would give that water pot as a gift at weddings would etch something like maybe mazel tov, something in Hebrew and the date and whatnot on that water pot. It's a very interesting point. That's why we find water pots at the marriage in Cana of Galilee. Because this was, it was... It was the crock pot of the day. You know how crock pots are given as wedding gifts a lot? Listen, we got two crock pots, and, and we still use those rascals. They're 17 years old. They burn things sometimes, but I'll still plug it in and say, Mama, I'm going to give it another go and see if it'll work this time. It was kind of water pots were the crock pot of the day. They were, they were the, the wedding gift. And, and so they would write things on them, etch them into the clay of that water pot. So can you imagine what this woman's water pot must have said on it. So many men in her life, a family history that was tainted with love and loss, a family history that was tainted as well with sin. And on that day when she carried her water pot, I think it's very interesting to recognize that after she had her conversation with Jesus, after she learned that he was the Messiah, after she essentially confessed her faults to him, 
The Bible tells us that she got so excited about what she received there at the well that day that she left her water pot at the well and she went running back to her place saying, come and see a man. Is this not the Messiah? She left her water pot behind and in doing so, she was saying, I'm relinquishing this old testimony of who I used to be and I'm embracing a new testimony and essentially she became a missionary on that day. I wonder if there's anybody in this house that's brought a family history, a sin history etched on your water pot. I want to encourage you, put down that old water pot that's given an evil testimony of your life. The blood of Jesus is still flowing in this place tonight. The power of the Holy Ghost is still moving in this place tonight. You can leave that water pot and pick up a new testimony saying, come see a man. One encounter with Jesus is all it takes. One encounter. I walked into the church as a sinner, a teenager. You already know, most of you, what I looked like. I had long hair and tried to play in a rock band. We never got out of the garage, but we thought we had a band. We thought we, we, thought we were rad. Now, some of you all don't even know what that word means. Google it. We thought we were rad. I wore, now I, some of you all are going to know exactly what I'm talking about. Some of you all are going to have to go to Googlepedia to figure this one out. Jinkos. Does anybody remember Jinkos? That's been a, it's been a few years back. Jinko jeans. Big old legs. That's what, that's how I came into the church Big baggy pants, living a sinful life. If I could light it on fire, I'd smoke it. And that's the truth. Seeing all these kids up here getting all these awards and everything like that. Man, they're going to have to, some of these parents are sitting back, oh boy, we're going to have to get a new cabinet to put this stuff in. There's, some of you all got so many trophies and, and awards. I didn't get any of those whenever I was in school. <laughs> I didn't take school seriously till I got to college. It's an interesting thing. I got on. We smoked on the school bus. I chewed tobacco in class. Oh, yes. I was well acquainted with the chair outside of my principal's office. Very well acquainted with that. Sold dope in the parking lot of my high school, all of those things, that's where I came from. Almost 25 years ago, I walked in in that situation, Bishop, looking just like that, the big baggy clothes, big baggy pants, long hair, big chopped sideburns, walked into the church for the first time. People embraced me. People loved on me. People said, I'm glad to see you. What's your name? And I sit in the back of that church watching what was going on in this Holy Ghost Apostolic Pentecostal church. And then after a little while, I started tapping my foot. Now I know that if we get you tapping your foot, we've got you. I didn't know that then. I fell into the trap. 
to tapping my foot there up there singing about hallelujah. I had no idea what hallelujah meant. Now I can break it down in the Hebrew and explain it to you. But then I had no idea what in the world was going on. But I realized this is something that I want. Two weeks after my first apostolic church service, I repented of my sins. I ran down to the altar, repented, was baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost the same night. Telling my testimony has never gotten old to me. It excites me because there might be somebody that you're witnessing to, somebody that you're reaching out to, somebody that you're praying for, and you might say, they're so far gone, they have absolutely no concern at all in the church. The young man that invited me to church worked on me for eight or nine months every day in the public school that I went to. He was one of two apostolic people that was in that mostly Catholic school, but he kept on reaching. He kept on praying for me, and eventually my result wore down and I said I'll go to church with you and my life has never been the same and here I am nearly a quarter of a century later telling you I've still got my testimony what God began on that night has completely revolutionized my life and it can do the same for you and for the people you're praying for oh yes (laughs) My pastor's wife, you see, two months after I got the Holy Ghost, God called me to preach. Now, Brother Austin, this, I'm going to tell you, this worried a lot of people. People were scared to death. They said, oh, my goodness, Jeremy called to preach? He just got in church. My pastor was excited. I sat down and talked with him. He said, Jeremy, God's already spoke to me about this. You have a calling on your life, son. And I said, all right, well, you know, I... What do I do? He said, next month, you're up. Youth service. You're preaching. Like, wait, what? (laughs) God did a quick work in my life. Some people have asked the question, when did you start becoming studious of the Word of God? I said, immediately. Because when I got in church, I didn't know anything about the Word of God. But the church that I was born again in had a good Bible quiz team. I was listening to these little kids like this, rattling off verses of Scripture left and right, and I thought, I'm way far behind. So I said, I've got to get in here. So all I did was read the Word of God and study the Word of God. It became an addiction. It became a custom, a culture, a lifestyle for me because I realized if I'm going to do anything in the kingdom of God, I've got to know the truth because it's when we know the truth, the truth is going to make us free. I've got to know more than just when to say amen. I've got to know the truth well enough to articulate it to someone that I can share it with them, that I can teach it to them. So that's when I began my Bible study. Essentially, that was when I began Bible college all the way back at the very beginning of my walk with God. I remember my pastor's wife said, well, Jeremy, if God's called you to the ministry, we we need to do one thing. I said, what, what, what's that? She said, we got to get you a haircut, boy. <laughs> I said, okay, yeah, I'm ready. <clears throat> My pastor's wife cut hair. She cut most of the ministers in our church's hair. 
Has anyone in this place ever heard of a Floby? Absolutely not. Well, you need to be educated on this, sis. A Floby is a haircutting attachment that attaches to a vacuum cleaner. What are you laughing at? Yeah. You're laughing. I'm the one that sat down there and withstood the torture that day. Sucked that long hair up into that Floby. The vacuum sucks the hair up and then there's clippers that cut it. But that Floby had never cut a headbanger's hair before. It cut only apostolic men's hair that was just a little bit fluffy. Tears rolling down my cheeks. She said, oh, Brother Jeremy, should I stop? I said, no pain, no gain. We, we ain't stopping now. I, you're going to have to keep going. Keep going. We're going to get this done. Come what may, because I'm never growing that hair out again like that if this is going to be the torture. Went through some crazy things, some funny things from where God brought me from. But I said all of those things to tell you this. I'm thankful for what God has done in my life. And I wouldn't take nothing for my journey now. It is an interesting thing. The psalmist wrote it like this in Psalm 77. I've considered the days of old, the years of ancient times. I call to remembrance my song in the night. Sometimes in our lives, we do need to recall our struggles and our difficulties. Why? Because we need to be reminded of the things that God has brought us through. He doesn't always allow us to get over situations in our lives. Sometimes He just brings us through those situations in our lives. Over a year later, I've not gotten over the loss of my late mother. And I realize after talking to people, some of you that have come up to me and said 20 years ago, my mother passed and I'm still not over it. I realize when it comes to death, we don't always get over it. But with the grace of God, we can get through it. God's brought me through more to this day than he did the very day that I got saved. So I have no reason to give up now. In fact, I've got more reason to praise him. I've got more reason to shout. I've got more reason to dance. I've got more reason to rejoice today than on the day that I first believed. So forgive me if I get a little radical. Forgive me if I get a little excited. Forgive me if it's a little bit extreme. But I'm so thankful for what Jesus has done in my life. I want to tell you there's not a soul in this room that he can't touch the same way. There's no one in this room that's so low that Jesus can't reach down and pick you up. There's no sickness that's so great that Jesus can't heal you. Come on, I want to encourage someone. I've still got my testimony. But for you, your testimony might begin tonight. Even though it was in the night, I still had my song. I still had my testimony in the face of my adversity. Now, the Apostle Paul understood something about this. 
Dear brothers and sisters, we know the story so very well in Acts chapter 16. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all doors were open and everyone's bands were loosed. I love, love, love this portion of Scripture because there's so much to learn from it. First of all, midnight, in prison. Most of the people in there are naked. That's how they were in prison. A lot of times they didn't, weren't even allowed to have their clothes on. The situation, terrible situation, humiliating, malnourished, many people injured, beaten, all of these things. And here it was midnight when everybody else was trying to dream of freedom. Paul and Silas said, this sounds like a perfect time to sing a song. Why? Because the testimony that they had in their heart before they got thrown in prison, they realized prison can't take my testimony. Beatings cannot take my testimony. Persecution cannot take my testimony. Enemies cannot take my testimony. So they prayed and they sang praises unto God and the prisoners heard them. Now I've got a vivid imagination. I'd like to think that those other prisoners probably didn't like what they were hearing. Forgive me, but I expect that they were probably like, would you guys just shut up? We're trying to sleep. You're in prison. What's the matter with you guys over there praying and singing praises and all this and that? Don't you see? You all are clapped in the stocks in here. There's nothing that you can sing about or pray for. Listen, our lives are done. The prisoners heard them. The earthquake came. Foundations were shaken. What we sang about tonight. And immediately all the doors were open. Everyone's bands were loose. This is a powerful point. Who was singing? Paul and Silas. Who was set free? There might be somebody sitting in this room today that you're bound up in sin. You're bound up in depression, oppression, suppression, and all of those things. And you're wondering, when is it going to be my time to get my testimony? When is it going to be my time to get delivered? When are the chains going to fall off? When are the doors going to be open? Well, I want to tell some brother or sister in this place today... Don't hold back your praise because it might be your praise. It might be your prayers that has the very power to turn somebody else in this place loose. Come on, somebody. It's a biblical principle. This is the reason why we have no church services to waste. We don't have time for wasted church services. We got to come in here and say, come on, Holy Ghost. What do you want to do? Come on, Holy Ghost. How do you want to move? We're going to give you praise. We're going to give you glory because we don't have time to waste. There might be a soul that's bound up in this place, but Jesus can set them free whenever we worship him and whenever we magnify him. Oh, yes. Don't waste it. Not one single service. My pastor, every year our business meetings at our church where I grew up in 
We had altar service after business meetings, annual business meetings, financial stuff, all this kind of crazy just numbers and all this stuff. I, w- I wouldn't have got one of those algebra or math medals tonight. It's the worst service in my mind because we're coming together talking about money. Coming together talking about all this and that, and there's numbers, and I'm like, oh my goodness gracious, it's too much for me. But then pastor said, we're here. Business is over, but business isn't really over. While we're here, come on, somebody get on the piano. People started charging to the altar because they said, it's time to pray. It's time to worship. My pastor brought me up and said, we're not going to waste not one single opportunity when we gather together. I want to encourage somebody in this place. Don't waste a single service. Don't waste a single opportunity to come into this place and to give it all you've got. Somebody asked me one time, they said, Brother Lang, do you know maybe what it was that Paul and Silas were singing on that night? I said, I don't know. I have no idea what they were singing, but whatever it was, it was powerful. Maybe something about foundations or shaking. All this and that that we sang about, I don't know. I have no idea what it was that they were singing. But maybe they were in there and they said, you know what, we need to remind ourselves in our terrible situation just how great God is there's a song that we sing in Hebrew that you might know the tune it says Shem me al koshem, utcharau ilei halel, libi yashir ki gadol. Elohai. Maybe they got in there and was just singing about how great their God is. Maybe they said it doesn't matter how terrible our situation is. We know that our God is still greater. I don't know what song they were singing on that day. But one thing I do know is what they were singing about transported them from where they were to heavenly places. And it caused the earthly foundations to shake. I want to encourage somebody in this place tonight. Your praise and your prayers do have the power to change the atmosphere. Don't allow prison to take your testimony because it might very well be prison that causes your testimony to become even greater. I had a precious sister that used to make fun of our praise and worship growing up Sister, she didn't really like all of the loud worship and all this and that. She used to make fun of us. And uh, she used to tell us we were all brown-nosing the pastor. Said, you young preachers, you'll sit up on the front road, brown-nose the pastor. I won't tell you her name. It's just I, it's Sister Deacon's wife. That's the, that's the name that I've given her. And bless her heart, she just didn't understand. The reason is because she, she's never experienced. She didn't have a testimony yet. But oh, was she about to get one. That sister used to get up, say all kinds of things, and then she went off to ladies' conference. Came back from ladies' conference, walked in the back of the church with a black eye. I looked out at her and I said, oh my goodness, she got thrown through a windshield or something. 
I have no idea what happened to her. She walked up to me. There was stuff seeping out of that eye. I said, oh, my goodness. I said, sister, are you okay? She said, I need to talk to you after service. I said, oh, sure. <sighs> Whole service, I'm thinking, who got a hold of her? <laughs> Somebody did. She, she, she got in a fight at the public well, maybe. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know what happened. And she came up to me after service. She said, I will never make fun of your worship again. I'll never say another word about your praise again. She said, I got to ladies' conference, and God got to moving on me, and I went headlong into a wooden pew. And I said, oh, yes. He'll make a believer out of you. Come on, somebody. She used to say, well, when, when, when you all get spiritually mature, you, you, you all settle down eventually. If spiritual maturity is defined by how much Holy Ghost that you can withstand before you move, I don't want to be spiritually mature. Spiritual maturity is defined by how sensitive you are to the moving of the Holy Ghost. There it was. I feel him. I better move. He's here. I feel him. I better worship him. Come on, somebody. I wish somebody would understand tonight. True spiritual maturity is by saying, I know he's here. He's alive. He's well. He's powerful. And I've got a testimony. For those of you that are making fun of these people that are running around the church, God might just have a wooden pew with your name on it. But as for me and my house, I'm going to praise him. I'm going to magnify him. I'm going to glorify his name because he's done so much for me. I cannot tell it all. Hallelujah. Oh, this is my testimony tonight, church family. You've got to hang on to it with everything that you've got. I've decided long ago, I'm not going to lose my testimony off of someone's negative attitude. I'm not going to allow getting angry at you or you getting angry at me to keep me from the house of God. I'm holding my testimony. How many people have walked out of the house of God because they had a spat with somebody and never darkened the doors again? Not me. You don't have the testimony that I've got. Because I'm here to give you a public service announcement. I'm not here for you, and you better not be here for me. I'm here because my testimony, I've got it because of what he's done for me. And because of that, I should never cease to praise him. I should never mute my praise or quench the spirit. Hallelujah. Sometimes in the first testament, in the old testament, the Bible calls the Ark of the Covenant the Ark of the Covenant. Sometimes it calls it the Ark of God, but sometimes also it called it the Ark of the Testimony. Why did it call it the Ark of the Testimony? Because it was a testimony of what God could do. The mountains would skip like rams. All kinds of things happened whenever they had the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of the Testimony with them. But there came a time with the children of Israel that they lost that testimony. And David said, I'm going to get it back. Hang on for my Sunday punch because it's coming. 
They said, we got to get it back. We've not even inquired about it. We've just kind of settled for less. We hadn't even talked about it. But it's time to go get that ark of the testimony and get it back to its rightful place. So David said, well, maybe we surely God just cares about us getting our testimony back. So he sends a new cart, buys a new car, says, let's load this thing up in the back of the pickup truck. And come on, what ended up happening? They didn't do it biblically. And because they didn't do it biblically, one soul was dead and still the ark wasn't home. So David said, well, maybe we need to read the word of God. If you're going to get your testimony back, you got to do it according to this. So the Bible tells us that they realize the only way to do it, we've got to sacrifice and we've got to pray. Every six paces, they said, we're going to give him praise. Why? Because this isn't just any testimony. This is the ark of the testimony. This is our testimony. This is our anointing. This is our Shekinah. This is our word of God. This is our rod that budded. Come on, somebody. This is our golden pot of manna. This is what God has given to us. If you've lost your testimony, I have good news for you today. Today, you can shout and you can get it back. Today, you can read the word of God and realize you just need to sacrifice a little bit tonight. You can get your testimony back. Stand to your feet with me in this house tonight. I feel the Holy Ghost. Can we give God a shout of praise in this house? Can we give God a shout of praise in this house? You've been praying for it. You've been waiting for it. But your testimony is here in this place tonight. And I am not a prophet, neither the son of a prophet. But I do declare to you in this place, if you need a testimony of healing in your body tonight, I want you to run down here to the front if you can. If you need a healing in your mind, I want you to come tonight. If you need a healing in your emotions, I want you to come tonight. If you need healing from back, from a backslidden condition, the Bible tells us that he does heal our backslidings. Come on, somebody. Your testimony is in this place tonight waiting for you. We've got some men of God that are going to pray for you, and you're going to get your testimony back. But for those of you that feel like, hey, I'm in a good way, I want to invite you to the front as well. And let's rejoice together that we've still got our testimony. Hallelujah, Jesus. Whatever's on your heart, praise team, just no funeral music. Come on, somebody. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Church family, I want you to take your liberty. I want you to pray one with another. I want you to pray until something happens. Obey the Holy Ghost. If you need the Holy Ghost in this house tonight, if you've not yet been filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, tonight is your night. You can receive the Holy Ghost. Your testimony can start tonight. Come on, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, receive ye the Holy Ghost. Receive your healing. Receive your deliverance. Go ahead. In the name of Jesus, the healer's in the house. The Holy Ghost is in the house. Go ahead. Go ahead. Reach out. Reach out and claim that testimony. Go ahead and shout for it. Go ahead and dance for it. Go ahead. Reach out and sacrifice for it tonight.
you appreciate the word tonight. Amen. Praise the Lord. Just a, a couple of quick reminders. Remember family prayer tomorrow night at 7.30 right here in the sanctuary. Wednesday night, 7.15. Brother Lang's going to be here teaching. He's teaching a series on Wednesday nights on apostolic doctrine, and we're certainly looking forward to it. Last Wednesday was awesome, and uh, looking forward to this Wednesday, 7.15. 
I, I figure I'll wait for y'all to get done talking and then I'll finish. Seven fifteen Wednesday night. It's going to be a great time. Prayer meeting tomorrow night, 7.30. Next Sunday night, Brother Julio May is going to be with us. It's going to be an awesome service. You are going to enjoy his ministry. Amen. Put your hands together. Welcome Bishop Wilson. Aren't you glad to have him back home? Go ahead and give that praise to the Lord one more time. Oh, isn't he wonderful? Aren't you glad you still got a testimony? Woo! Oh, yes. Hallelujah. I feel like that old song, I'm going to leave here shouting. Praise God. Wow, what a great service. All the good things, all the good testimonies, the good singing. And I want to congratulate personally and uh, publicly and in person, Brother Daniel, for graduating from BCS. Wow, wasn't this awesome? Awesome. Awesome. And all the other awards that were given. We, we started Bethlehem Christian School in 1979. Figure that up. It's been that long. 43 years. Isn't that awesome? I was thinking to say awful, but awesome. <laughs> it's been a long time. Wow. And uh, we've had a good time. And we have some more Let's see, some more high school graduates maybe that didn't go to Bethlehem Christian School and some college students. Uh, uh, Grace, where are you? I know Grace. Where's Grace? Grace? Grace, there you are. At your regular place. She graduated nursing college. Isn't this awesome? Amen. Are there, are there any other uh, local colleges here that uh, are, are schools of grad? Who? Allie. Where? Allie graduated. <laughs> Northwest. Whoa, that's good. good. How, about, how about others? Help me out. Who? Drew and Emma graduated at Hickory Flat School. Hickory Flat. Where are you at? Drew and Emma? All right, Maddie graduated Potts Camp. Wow, isn't this? Yeah. Yeah, Eli graduated. Woo! My goodness. Boy, we got some smart children around. I ain't through yet. Thank you. And we have one more that graduated from St. Louis in St. Louis, New York. Urshan Graduate School of Theology. Look at this. Come here, Pastor. Aren't we proud of our men of God in our life? Oh, he worked hard, studied hard, and we're proud of him. Now, make him feel good one more time. I'll give a hand clap. Wow, look at this family. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hallelujah. Well, we're going to keep on going on, aren't we? 
Amen. If anybody else graduates, let me know. Who? Bobby? Where's Bobby? There you are. Bobby right here. Hickory Platt. That's good. That's good. All right. Love you, folks. Be careful. Who? Alex Tatum with Emma. Alex Tatum. All right. Great, Alex. God bless you. Anybody else want to graduate? Who? Maddie? Where's Maddie? Maddie Lemons? Wave at us, Maddie. Isn't this awesome? That's great. That's great. I didn't realize there's this many. My goodness, that's awesome, isn't it? Anybody else? I said, does anybody else want to graduate? Yeah. All right. Bless you. Bless you. Be careful. Be safe. Wednesday night. In Jesus' name.